Conan, what is best in life? To crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and to hear the lamentation of the women. That is good. That is good. Flying Monkeys Wargaming Podcast. Where if Wargaming was easy, it would be your mom. This is your main host, Bam, here. I hope everybody's having a good week. I hope everybody's doing well. Ready to roll into September. So, if you're listening at work, please don't listen at work. Or get yourself a damn good set of headphones. If you're listening at home, don't listen around to kids. Or don't have kids and the problem solved. We are a weekly Warhammer 40k tabletop wargaming podcast we pretty much talk about the lord marshall conference and the competitive scene in the midwest we do hit stuff outside of the region we do hit the bigger majors the bigger tournaments so we talk about them too also just talk about the game in general so we have a lot of it. a lot of fun good time talk a lot of shit complain about the game this is a two-parter so uh ben and uh my good buddy mark newson come on uh mark newson is a gray knights fanatic and a good player he's a he's a really good player and i think he's probably one of the most underrated guys in the midwest and if you slip up he will take advantage and whip your ass with his Grey Knights. So that's why I had him on. Also, uh, Ben Sherwin, we all know him. We all love him. One of the best players around and running Advanced Warfare, helping other people get better with the game. So that's why I had those two on. Um, ben is killing it with the Grey Knights. Uh, Mark's a Grey Knight fanatic and a hell of a player. And uh, I give some input. I'm trying to get into that Grey Knights book. Uh, new books for me are hard, so I do not get to them at the pace of some others. And uh, my learning curve is slow, especially when I've been playing Space Wolves for the, the past few months. So And after that, if you stick around, we have the Falcon. Uh, Peter, the Falcon, comes on, and uh, he talks about statistics. Um, I run down the meta with him a little bit. We talk about some Admech numbers, some Jukari numbers, and uh, as usual, good conversation. Uh, Peter and his math have uh, definitely changed and in, in, in influenced the way that we look at the game, and I enjoy having these conversations with him. So stick around for the second half and listen to Peter talk math and Warhammer. Uh, that's it, guys. Uh, let's get to the thought before we close out. I think uh, sometimes... I had someone reach out to me from Team Texas and uh, ask about the beef between the monkeys and Team Texas. And I uh, also had a comment online uh, by Colin McDade saying he thought I hate all the Team Texas. And let's uh, let's clear something out. I don't hate anybody. I, I do not. I'm too old and I'm too tired to have hate in my heart for certain people. I do think uh, I'm reaching the red foreman phase of my life, though, where I think everybody's a dumbass. And uh, if you're a dumbass, I'm going to tell you you're a dumbass. The, the thing is, is sometimes you have to have a sense of humor and sometimes the things I say about Team Texas isn't just uh, there used to be a friendly rivalry or I thought there was a friendly rivalry and uh, somehow it turned into this telephone game of gossip and, and accusations and silly stuff like uh, why you know one thing I got I talked to Nate Goodfellow I spent some time on the phone with Nate Goodfellow because uh, someone said we criticized the terrain of the Dallas Open and come to find out it was uh, Josh Thomas who was a guest on the podcast and a funny dude who was making a joke but I digress. You have to be able to joke. You have to be able to have fun. You can't take everything super seriously. And I think if people started doing that, the the whole Team Texas flying monkey thing would kind of calm down a little bit. So you guys are all welcome. Um, I've let fucking David Villarera stay at my house when his car broke down. I've picked up Colin McDade and given him rides to the tournament so he didn't have to pay for an Uber. You know, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a man. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a friend. I'll be there if you need me. Uh, does not mean I'm not gonna make fucking jokes. And if I make a joke, you can't get all butt hurt and been out of shape about it and take offense to it because it is just a fucking joke. So hope that clears some things up. I hold no ill will. I hold no hate. But uh, you gotta learn to laugh some shit, or else you're gonna die stressed out and and mad and angry. And there's no reason for all that playing toy soldiers. So hope that clears some shit up. And there's my thought for the week. Let's get of the episode guys i've rambled too much ben i'm gonna be up in your area this weekend by the way or next weekend nice next weekend uh laura and i are coming up there for a wedding so we need to link up all right sounds good yeah all right flying monkeys wargaming podcast where if wargaming was easy it would be your mom uh your main home spam is here and a little something different for y'all tonight. Um, I've got Mr. Regained His Enthusiasm and and brought his soul back from Admech to play 40K, Ben Sherwin. What up? You know him, you love him. You can find him over at Advanced Warfare. And then uh, my homie, the, the Stormbolter Priest, the Grey Knight fanatic, Mark Newson. What's happening, man? Hi, guys. So, uh, reason I got Mark on tonight is... Uh, 
he has been the loyal Grey Knight player through uh, good times, through bad, and uh, he's always trying to break the game uh, using the the Silver Dudes. And uh, Ben is uh, is is on and off the Grey Knights, but he's been pretty consistent uh, enjoying them. So he is on them now, and so we've been uh, diving into the Codex, dealing with the Codex, playing some games with Grey Knights, all three of us, and we're gonna do like a little mini Codex review. And talk about some stuff that we have, maybe a couple wombo combos, some things that have been working for us, The the what we think are the good go-to units in the book, and give you maybe a place to start if you uh, look at the book and you're kind of confused. Because the thing about this Great Knights Codex is there's a lot of moving parts, uh, there's a lot of moving pieces, and there's a lot of things to kind of figure out. And on the surface, the book looked okay, but uh, I think as I'm playing the games, the book's a little bit better than I initially thought it out to be. Uh, is that you guys' assessment, or you guys got other opinions on that? Uh, I still kind of put it where where I was thinking. It's it's a little bit be between like Blood Angels and and Death Guard. I think Death Guard still has a lot of good things on them that are just built in, and if everything goes our way, we can be like Death Guard. But if everything doesn't go our way, well, we don't make those you know key critical casts. We're still hanging around with like Blood Angels level. What's what do you what's your take, Ben? This shit is fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good to see the enthusiasm out there. So let's uh, you know, let's get into it, man. Let's get out there. Uh, and also, I, I didn't do this during the intro, but stick around for the second half of the podcast. Uh, second half of the podcast, uh, Peter the Falcon comes on. And uh, we talk a little math and Admac and Jukari and and what the what the math is saying in the meta right now. So after the Grey Knights talk, uh, stick around for for the Falcon. Um, so basically, the Grey Knights. Um, real quick, everybody's seen you know the the, the attachment abilities, uh, the Aegis. Uh, I think having a five up against Mortal Wounds is solid. And I can't remember what the other one was. Uh, plus one to deny the witch, I think, was uh, was the second yep. ability. Which, yep. uh, with all the denies on the board, is not anything to sneeze at. It's uh, it's actually pretty dope. Um, the, you know, the big thing that kind of uh, this is where I want to get into a little bit of discussion with Ben and Mark because, you know, talking to the both of them, philosophies are a little bit different, and uh, I've been playing and seeing some stuff. But the cool thing they did with this book was they brought about the Brotherhood of Cyclops. And uh, pretty much they're like chapters for the Grey Knight. And uh, is this is this backed up in the lore at all, uh, Mark? Or is there anything about that? Well, yeah. Yeah, the, the Brotherhoods have been there for, for several editions. You know, some of the Brotherhoods have had been in the limelight a little bit more than you know some of our more recent ones like uh, Voldrak, more um, um, the Ward Makers and the uh, Sword Bearers and Blades of Victory. They've been around for a while. It's just we we lost some characters over time and then we got some back. Voldus is is running with us now instead of you know like my guy Voldrak, but it's more, more Drak so. Ben, you're picking up some background. Are you driving through this like is, this? Shit's fucking crazy right now. Oh, was it storming up there? Yeah, I just uh, went from nothing to a hundred. Oh my, man! You're still not in a ditch, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. So as far as brotherhoods go, uh, we have uh, in the book we got the sword bearers, which uh, Mark mentioned already, the blades of victory, the ward makers. The Prescient Brothers, the Preservers, the Rapiers, the Exactors, the Silver Blades, and that was it. What, what, uh... I can't control it. What's that? Uh, I can't even hear myself talking here. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, uh, one I've actually thought that's pretty good that I've enjoyed has been the Sword Bearers. Um, I've had some success with them. You know, there's some some pregame shenanigans you can do with them that's pretty good. The like, or maybe I'm doing that. Maybe I'm saying the wrong Brotherhood there. Uh, you might be thinking, uh, thinking Blades, Blades of Victory. Victory. Yeah, Blades yeah. of Victory. My bad. Um, the 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 guy that Ben affectionately refers to as a uh, as Hammer or Sword Jesus, um, getting a pregame move with another unit of Blades of Victory. Um, I've done it in a couple games, and it tends to, tends to work pretty well. You can 
hide stuff going first or or hide stuff going second or or get stuff in the mix going sec first and uh it's it's really pretty good uh but i know mark is not playing plays of victory what what brotherhoods have you been on that you've really liked and really enjoyed and give me the reasons why sure so i've really uh enjoyed the exactors you know i think that they've got a as far as warlord traits, they probably got one of the worst warlord traits, but their other two abilities, I think, make up for it. And one of them is the strat that allows any of their units to heroically intervene, which, you know, when you've got a, a dread knight, you know, and you want to just get that, that extra chance to get in a hand-to-hand, being able to heroically intervene with them is nice. And then the other one is the psychic power, which in a way is kind of like the old um, inner fire that... and the casting power that the purifiers had where it does a wound on almost every model in the unit on a four up so so basically you pick a you know a unit you're engaged with maybe that you heroically intervened into the turn before and then if they got like 40 orc boys well you're tossing 40 dice on four ups there's mortal wounds going to each one of those models so it can be pretty devastating for horde armies uh, especially when you combo with that heroic intervention in in their turn get some swings off and then in your next psychic phase you hit them with that uh, mini inner fire which is uh it's got another name than inner fire but it's called look up that name purifying flames right um it's called fires of covenant oh okay Yeah. yeah fires of covenant yeah, it's I I don't know. I've tried them a few times. But like I said, it's when I've wound up trying them, it's been against non-horde armies, so it hasn't been the greatest like uh like yesterday I played Dark Angels and it just didn't seem like it did me a whole lot of good. So I was kind of, you know, I don't know. It needs more testing or maybe at a tournament I'll run into some stranger stuff where I actually hit that unit that that makes that strat worth it. So I'm I'm 50/50 on them right now. So other new extractors, what do you like in Mark? Um, I'm kind of liking the Silver Blades, too. Uh, they've got a Warlord uh, trait where it gives your, your character kind of fight first, um, and then you get a reroll, a hit roll uh, in melee. So so you're hitting on twos already, so now you're rerolling ones. You're also striking first. It kind of makes that Grandmaster uh, in Dread, uh, Dread Knight Nemesis armors pretty pretty vicious there. Uh, and then they got some some kind of tricky powers and i'm all about getting those tricky powers off uh, and kind of surprising your opponent sometimes but they can fall back and shoot is one of their strats uh which can be kind of key uh, when you've got that even that dread knight kind of locked in and you want to kind of pull back and shoot something else and and maybe disengage or even bring interceptors out you know you can fall back and shoot with them as well and then they have the ability to turn their storm bolters into pistol weapons so pistol fours that can rack up with the wounds on sixes strat and the extra minus one AP can kind of get you locked in there. If you didn't kill a good strong unit, then you have that chance to kind of shoot them away. Dig it. I dig it. So what, uh, what brotherhoods are you hot on Ben? Oh man. Blaze of Victor. Ooh, they're my, like my, my absolute favorite right now, but that's because of the meta. Uh, they're, they've got the Warlord, like, I like all three of their stuff. Their, their Warlord trait is a pregame move for the Warlord and one core unit within nine inches, and it's a six-inch pregame move. And then you've got the one-point stratagem for, uh, it's essentially Hammer of Wrath for a core infantry from Blades of Victor. So into Jukari and Admech, that, that can add up quick, doing five or six mortal wounds if you get a charge off. And then their psychic power is re-rolling charge distance, which is really nice if you're coming out of the deep strike. I mean, I know it's still like a 40-some percent chance on a nine, but it's still it's better than a natural wall and then having to CP it. But then it also combos nicely with its uh, with its pregame moves for getting like I don't know first turn charges off with your inter- big 10-man interceptor squad, and then you can get a bunch of them into combat and do do the strap for more wounds. I mean, it can just be pretty good alpha strike, or you can use it defensively. You know, pull back behind runes, out of obscuring. You know, all that, all that nifty jazz. And then uh, the other one I really like is sword bearers. But I mean, that's because I don't know if you guys saw, but I'm, I'm taking an, an absolute crap load of Nemesis Dread Knights. So I take the max so that I can in a patrol, which is one, one Grandmaster and two heavy Dread Knights. But absolutely, it's it's a ton of fun. Sword bears, yeah. well, you know, you kind of went through them a little bit, but the stratagem 
for them is two CP. Your army gets plus one to hit against a unit, which can be nice if they have a Death Star. But otherwise, I think that one's not really going to be used. It's pretty CP heavy. And the Nemesis Dread Knights hit on, you know, the Grandmasters hit on twos already. And then the regular ones hit on threes. But if you do what I do, and I take two Tech Marines with mine, they hit on twos. Anyway, so it's really not that big of a deal for me. But then the Psychic Power is pretty big, which is plus one to wound against the unit for Sword Bearers. And that can be pretty devastating. Especially if you pair that with the uh, the Dominus Power amplification. So Psy weapons and Nemesis weapons do an extra damage. I mean, you, I've just pointed at something and picked it up. Like, literally today, I picked up a Dimericron from one Grandmaster. Just because it's that gross. So, nice. And yeah. their Warlord trait, I don't remember. It's not coming to me. Because I use un- Unyielding Anvil. Yeah, it gives you a four-up anvil on a vehicle. Oh, that's so. right. It gives you that psychic action where you can give a four-up anvil into a vehicle. Yep, yep. Which that's, I'm not sure you'll be running, but <laughs> that's I, about I, the only way to make a Storm Raven viable, right? So. Yep. Uh, sword bear Storm Ravens can be scary. Plus one to wound. Oh man. Woo. Yeah. Uh, Mark. Mark was talking about that. I'm not sure I've had the courage to play it yet. I'd like to, like, try it out though. I've got the actual. Uh, I- I tried it, and my problem is, is that when I didn't go first, if they had long-range shooting, that storm was dead. Yeah. Yeah, you almost have to put it in reserve and deep strike it in or, or so on turn two and then try to get it close to that Grandmaster. Yep. Nice. Well, next uh, in the book is uh, Wisdom of the Prognosticate. By the way, I can't talk this evening. I am having scotch. I'm going to blame that. Uh, wisdom <laughs> of the prognosticars. Uh, so you basically have visions and you have gifts, and uh, some of these are really good, man. Um, like you said, this is how uh, this is how you get to the uh, the John Cena Grandmaster, and uh, yeah. yeah, Ben, Ben, you want to talk about John Cena? Yeah, well, why don't you guys do a couple things? I'm gonna switch to my computer. Okay, that's fine. We can. Just, I'll, I'll hit Mark real quick. We'll come back to you. Um, so Mark, out of these, what are your, uh, what are your favorites? What are you liking? So I'm actually liking the gifts a little bit more than the visions. Um, although I think the visions are, are good too, but the servant of the throne gift, I think is, is pretty sweet. You know, being able to give that once per battle, um, a character, a three up in bowl, uh, is, is just, it's so clutch sometimes. Many times you want to throw that grandmaster out there, you know, really far in front of the lines and just kind of absorb fire. Uh, so that that servant on throne gives you that chance to do it. Or you're fighting somebody rock hard in hand to hand and you just want to, you know, take their swings and then be able to hit them back. Like if it's Mortarian and, and you're rocking the, you know, demons don't get their saves, uh, then you, you kind of want to be able to survive long enough to punch them. So. It's a good, it's a good one from on my end, and then I also like that gem, uh, the the gem of Anaktu. Yeah, gives you that plus two on that one key cast. That you're like, I really, really need this to get off this turn. So you got to hold on. I threw it on my uh, my dirty librarian. Well, and it buffs up, gets you closer to what those bigger smites, and gives you the bigger purifying flame if you go that way too. So now I put the uh, I put the the gem on the. uh, on the librarian that came in with the purifying or purifying flame and vortex of doom, I think is what I gave him. But it's uh, you know when he basically drops in, hitting him with the plus two to cast, and and then using the one CP to give him an extra three inches to his range. And uh, he was he man, he throws some mortals, man. It's pretty pretty dope. Oh yeah, anything that can get you to that. What is it? D three plus three damage on purifying flame, or or even the D six yep. on. On the like, and if you stack it with the warlord trait that gives you one more mortal wound, you know you can really end up yep. just piling <laughs> up fast. So he could he could potentially smoke, uh, you know, some stuff uh, vehicle wise. Even like you think about rhino or something. Matt, yeah. Matt says he might be able to kill a rhino off the board with his mind bullets. So, <laughs> um, but uh, I guess visions and gifts, Ben. Where where are you at on them? What are you digging? What do you what do you like when you see them? I, I like. Do they just customize your army and give you a tool that you were missing? That's, that's nuts. Like, there's the one for the three-up bimble, and I think it's called Servant of the Throne. Yep, uh, Mark for, just and, talked about it. Yep, and then there's the uh, 
the redeploy for three core units. Foretelling. Foretelling, yep. yep. And then the I also like the um, the no Overwatch one because Grey Knights suffer from not having really good inbounds, and you really don't you can't use the staff stratagem in the Overwatch phase. So it's nice to just turn it off if you're going to go into something that can Overwatch you crazy amounts. So that's that's pretty much you know the the three that I'm looking at the the uh, Noble Death is also pretty good too if you like need some clutch obsec. Which is, it's the unyielding anvil, but for one turn. Nice. Yeah, that on that paralysis one, that presage paralysis, what's great about that is you, know, you can pick a unit on the other side of the board, you know, and kind of help one of your other unit survivors charge too. It doesn't just have to be that character. Correct. That's, yep, 100%. I use it, I've used it a lot for my interceptors who are going to go into something with a lot of Overwatch. Nice. I dig it. So this is where I am absolutely falling short on this book. And uh, I have not been able to seem to make it click. Everything else I've kind of, you know, I've been getting off some combos with other stuff. Uh, I think I'm getting a lot better about the psychic powers and figuring out what needs to be happening when. Because sometimes there is a sequence involved in pulling some stuff off right. And, uh. In my games, I've kind of been improving there. But the one thing that I seem to not be able to nail the, the, the moving pieces down is uh, what strats I should be looking at and when I should be looking at them and where. Um, are you guys finding like any go-to strats that you see you're consistently doing in games? And what and why are, do you think those stratagems are coming up more and, and you're playing with them? Uh, let's start with you, Ben. Hmm... That's, I mean, that's, what I'll say is when I've been playing, I've been finding that I have all these tools in front of me and I don't necessarily need them all. And then like, as I come back to it in my head, I'm like, well, crap, if I've done this, I could have scored five more points, but I didn't see that because like, uh, there's just so many options. Just to give an idea, a strike squad has three different psychic powers they can cast. So brotherhood, the hammer hands and smite. And you really have to balance it out between what stratagems you're doing and where you're casting where, which person's casting two powers, you know, where you're going to get the involve from Sanctuary if you have it, you know, there's all those different things uh, just that I think make Grey Knights really hard to play because you can customize your army uh, with psychic powers, but then also can be pretty damning if you don't, like, get your powers off. So you got to apply pressure yeah. with stratagems in the right area. So I, I feel like the the learning curve on this army is going to be a lot. It's tough for people. I think it's a lot stronger than people think it is. But like Mark said at the beginning, if you start feeling some of these key psychic powers, your damage just goes through the into the shitter. But you know they have some tools that are just straight up happen with the stratagem that you can make up with that. I think applied in the right area. That's. That's definitely the case. I don't know if that answers your question, but that's what was on my mind. Right it now. does a little bit. Like, you know, and I found myself like there's the D3 mortals when a, a Dread Knight charges, you know, and, and I've, I've, I've yet to play that in a fucking game. And after every game, I go, God damn it. You know, I could have I could have thrown the mortals when the Dread Knight charges. Like uh, I went after a town master with a with a tiered Dread Knight and uh, left that son of a bitch with two wounds on it. And it's like, if I'd have played the strat to do the D3 Mortal Wounds on the charge, I probably could have fucked up that uh, Town Master, you know. And and so that's that's been the problem with me, I think, is the, you know, I'm setting up combos with my psychic powers, and certain units can do certain things, and they need to be certain places doing certain things. And I've, I've just lost track of the strats, and, and I need to kind of find a way to nail it down and figure it out. It's, it's just kind of where I'm at, so I'm going to have to probably take some time getting into them. Mark, have you found any of their go-to or that you consistently seem to be using in games uh, that you yeah. think are probably like some MVPs? Yeah, I think that you know the Warlord traits of this book are, are really good. So the strats that allow you to take an extra Warlord trait or put Warlord traits on additional characters are, are almost ones that I've seen used in every one of the lists that I made. I, th I think I'm spending a good three to four CP before the game on those strats yeah, to get those extra here. warlord traits. So those are those are really a good addition uh, to us. We didn't have that in eighth, you know, that that ability to have good warlord traits and want to spam them, right? 
And then beyond that, you know, during the game, the ones that I consistently kind of go to is, you know, True Silver Armor, which is like your transhuman for Grey Knights. Uh, I think I'm always reserving two to four points for that for key, you know, situations when I need to stand up to something big. And then um, I do put a warding staff in each one of my units so that I can do that zone of warding when you get hit by a whole bunch of multi-multas, maybe from Paragon War Suits or, or something along that way. You know, just being able to get that five-up invul for that turn is, is kind of nice. And for only one CP and a five-man squads, it, it can pay off. Now, I don't know about two CP, uh, maybe on a Paladin squad, but I don't know that I'd do it on, on anything bigger than five mans yeah i played it on my 10 man uh interceptor squad because i was just thinking like that's 240 points so (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) my interceptors hate my guts they're like really we're going there i'm like yeah bitches get in there come on go die Sorry, Mark. I didn't mean to interrupt. Man. No, no, no. You're fine, man. I think the other one is 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 maybe just because my style is I like purifiers. I've I've liked them since they first hit the scene. So I, I like the untainted and unbowed, uh, having that minus one damage when you're fighting somebody who has like two damage weapons is just like a big <laughs> we're gonna stay here kind of a, a in their face uh, action. So I, I like to do that with my larger units of uh, purifiers, just kind of push them up and then say, man. Okay, we're going to half all that. So those are the ones that I go to, and I probably spend a good half of my CP in the first turn, and then the rest of it kind of dwindles out across the rest of the turns. Nice. Well, good. That's, uh, that's probably a good place to start. Let's get into what we like as far as units. And the funny thing is, like, I've seen in you know, all three of our lists for the most part, and I think... You know, Mark. You know, Mark. Mark's been trying some different stuff out of it, and Ben's has pretty much stayed the same. But if you don't have baby carriers and you want to play Grey Knights, you should probably go get baby carriers. So that's the, that's where I want to start with. Is like I I've been running two Grandmasters, um, and, and different patrol detachments, and all the Dread Knights, and I did take off one of the Dread Knights, so I'm down to two Dread Knights now. And two grandmasters. And Mark this morning said something to me about going down to one grandmaster dread knight, and then uh, and then two, and then what three dread knights? Yeah, three dread knights saves a little bit of points. And Ben, I think, is still taking all the dread knights and all the grandmasters, if I'm not mistaken. I am missing one grandmaster. Okay, so you went uh, one and three. Yeah, uh, two and three, or two and three. Okay, so that's. Uh, you know that's kind of what they're they're so points efficient for what they can do in this game and with the with them going down with dread knights going down and to a four up and vuln save just make them such a more durable unit you know and and then having which we didn't get into the tides at all yet but having tides where you know you can buff up your side weapons and having strats that you can buff up your side weapons uh, the damage output from that unit in you know close combat and shooting, and just the durability to be able to stay on the board and do things like those are units that you probably need to be looking at if you're building a Grey Knights list. Um, the other ones that I have that I've been really digging so far, I went and uh, put some purifiers in my list. I'm digging the purifiers. Um, I'm digging the purifier power. Um, Crow's good. Drago's good. Interceptors are really good. Um, strike squads are baller as fuck. And that's pretty much where I'm at so far. So I know you guys have a little bit different take on that. Um, let's do you first, Mark. What do you what are your go-to units so far out of the data sheets? Well, I think you hit some of the, the big winners there. I mean, interceptors and strike squads are in every one of my lists is kind of core core foundation portion of it. And I, I usually have between three and five dread knights. Um, right now I'm rocking four, one Grandmaster and three regulars, uh, that extra, extra points. I'm, I'm putting them in purifiers right now. And then I like the purifiers. I really love Crow. Um, he is, he's a one hell of a beat stick in hand to hand. And even if he, you know, for some reason gets his fight first, uh, knocked away from him and someone else gets a good swing on him first, he's going to fight when he dies and can generally bring down most things with those extra mortal wounds. He's kind of like our version of Jassar. Uh, Drazar from the Dark Eldar. 
So I, I like uh, like to include him, and then I also rock uh, Drago typically in the list too, um, and then servitors to kind of fill out the action monkey role and to help do some backfield screening. And that's that's pretty much what I've, I've settled down on. I've tried a, also a, a Brotherhood Ancient recently with the banner uh, relic, and, and it's kind of nice to do that nuclear bomb of every everything in six inches takes mortal wounds. Uh, but the problem with it is if your opponent knows you know enough about that character, you know, they're either going to scoot the heck away from you or uh, shoot him or kill him or so in some way before he gets a chance to do as much damage. So I've kind of fell back from him now and, and went more towards... Uh, trying to get crow in the action fast yeah i miss i've been misusing crow i i i think if i play him differently i'll be better off with him but i, I like him for the points that's for damn sure um ben what do you uh what are you big on data sheet wise what do you what do you got on units fuck all the bs i'm all baby cages for days uh no <laughs> i mean <laughs> strikes and interceptors are gonna for, be my for, i'm gonna interrupt time. ben real quick but for those ben won an rtt on monday and uh, in getting the certificate for winning his RTT, he had all the uh, all the baby carriers posed in his arms and a sadistic look on his face. So it was a pretty cool picture. I, w- I was trying to look drunk because I was drunk off of how many baby cages I had. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, like obviously the Dread Knights put up a lot. Uh, my favorite thing about the Dread Knight is that it plays all three phases pretty well, whether it's Malediction blessing themselves with a hammer hands. Uh, or uh, smiting for mortal wounds. They move pretty far. They went from 8 to 9 inches now. Uh, they can teleport shunt if they have the upgrade bot, which I buy it every time, which gives them a huge aggro radius. You know, I can go to one side of the other, to the other side of the board if I want to, once per game. Uh, you know, the Grandmasters get to pick two powers off of the Dominus, so I could have... I usually just take the amplification on both of them and then either gate... Or gate, because you can never have enough gate. Uh, and then, uh, obviously, I, nobody's seen this yet because I haven't played it, but I'm digging Paladins, man. I'm digging Paladins because they have Armored Resilience and they can cast Hammer Hands. I know they only get to cast one, but they get to pick two powers from Sanctic. And, uh, you know, a one-up save, you need a minus four to get to their Embalm. Of a five up, and you can give them a four up involved with either the staff or sanctuary. And I know they're 470 points, but there's a little nasty combo in there with the chaplain. Oh, oh, are you gonna tell it now, or is it secret tech? Well, it's not secret tech, <laughs> so I actually think it's the same one Mark might have been telling me about. But so in the tide of convergence, when you roll a six to, to wound, it does a mortal wound in addition, right. Uh, with with nemesis weapons correct um word of power does this makes your sixes double damage and it gives an additional mortal wound because it says it deals one mortal wound as well so on a six to wound you do two mortals and it does two wounds so if you pair that with a squad of paladins with falchions you know the paladins are hitting on twos and then they can hammer hands themselves you put out like 34 mortal wounds with that squad like there's Ooh. nothing in the game they can't touch and evaporate. And, and it's just throw, mortal wounds. And you throw that paladin agent in there next to him too, you know, and and you're going to get one more attack as well. Yep. And on top of it, you can have him put that sanctuary on those paladins. Exactly. So there's combos there, man, and they're obsec because you're going to take the warlord trait for unyielding anvil for that guy because they're core. I just they're the only thing that they don't have is you know mobility, which you can gate for. Uh, but I just, I'm digging them. I like it. Are you putting them in Sword Brothers? Or they, not Sword they're, Brothers, they're uh, knights, Blades? They're like, they're like knights for hire, so they can go in any Brotherhood, and they don't get any Brotherhood, but, okay. like, so, their big thing is that their stratagem is that they can swap out their Sanctic powers. Like, you one for one trade. Nice. So they're very customizable as you're going throughout. So you can... If you're having trouble with high toughness stuff, which with it doesn't matter with all the mortal wounds they deal, but if you need to do like extra mortal wounds, you can have purifying flame. You know, you if you need extra mobility, you can trade it out and take the shoot then move. You know, they just uh, there's a lot of utility there that I think if they had made them four wounds, uh, we would have a problem here. 
So I get why they're not four wounds now. You know what I mean? Like I, at first I was like my initial pressure paladins, they suck 47 points each. They are five up in Vaughn. You know, they're a shadow with their former selves. The side cannon is only three shots now. I'm just not digging it. And now that I've like played them and know how the combos work, I'm like, wait a second. You know, this thing is like incredibly hard to kill. You throw an apothecary in there too, if you want. And they have a six up feel no pain, four up in one up save. They're, they're stormboard terminators. Except they can dish out way more mortal wounds. And you can guarantee that mortal wounds with the litany for 2 CP. I'm just, I think that's good. Now, it's slow, so it's obviously going to suffer it's there. Well, it's like 800 points if you have all the characters with it. And it is expensive. But I just, I kind of think that, like, that's a bomb unit that actually could work. I'm not saying it's better than my baby carrier list because I think I could just run away from that list if it doesn't make its eight inch charge or nine inch. I'm sorry, nine inch rerollable. <laughs> but yeah. uh, I I just think that that there's more play there than it than looks because ten paladins can eat up a lot of board space. Absolutely, I'm sitting on all the paladins too, so I might play around with something and see what happens. But yeah, every time I try to put them in a list, I I look at how much points I just dropped into making them, you know, super effective because they they can be super effective, and I'm like, man, that is like two interceptor squads and two more strike squads, you know, and it's just like, golly, I'm getting I'm giving up about fifty percent more wounds in power armor guys, you know, and and about that meant more attacks, sometimes even double the number of attacks. Uh, just because of the more bodies, even though it's less swings per guy, it's more guys. Uh, so when I run the numbers, it's like ah, I could do it, but it's a tr- it's such a trade off. Yeah, it's I don't know. I think it'd be fun though. It might be fun something to try on a league night and see what happens. I might do it. Yeah, I, I think if you maybe built it that way, you might want to consider not running the the psychic secondary. Uh, because you just don't have enough units, maybe, to make that as effective as it can be to get you max points. Man, I yeah. Took and speaking of that, and an action secondary, and I gotta tell you, I was so stressed then trying to get those both to go off. <laughs> <laughs> yep, dude, Ben, the other night in the game, I took the uh, the psychic secondary, and I rolled a two and a one on a dice five times trying to pull that secondary off. Well, that's a yeah. downside to it. <laughs> it is, and I, I straight up threw my dice in the trash. And then nice. uh, last night, last night when I was doing it, I had that secondary maxed out by like turn three, quick. So it was, it's, uh, it seems to be feast or famine for me. But I dig it. I'm still going to keep picking it when I think the situation's right. So I love that secondary. Yeah, it gives yeah. us something we really lacked. You know that even sometimes. Uh, we had trouble with like a second secondary choice, depending on how you build your list in in eight, with the eighth edition codex. But but now with that, you know, you can have one or two strike squads that are just sitting there scoring you a couple points a turn in your backfield, and then if you get out there into the like a midfield objective with interceptors or so, ah, and and even you know to a backfield objective that's their backfield, you you can get that extra third one and and max it. Yeah. On that note, I do want to kind of I got to give Mark credit for this. I'm not I'm not smart enough to come up with this in list building, but the uh, one thing I've noticed too, you know, like you said, it seems like a lot of armies, the especially the old ones that don't have their own objective or secondaries, you you always struggle with picking that third one, and like this is a pretty good third one because you can pit, you, you know, you can cast it even if your opponent's sitting on the objective. You know, you just got to be within three inches. It says nothing about, you know, your enemy units being there or not. And so if there's no denies or something, it's a it's an easy pick sometime to to just go out there and try and get those. And so one one thing backing up to the data sheet um, that I added to the to my list, which Mark does, which I really like, is a servitors at 30 points, you know, a unit of servitors at 30 points. Um, make some pretty decent little action monkeys, you know, because like even just a strike squad, I think sits at a base 110, right? Yep. So, you know, you can have some awkward points or some high points units that you like feel that you you know you might need to get just a little bit more board space, or you want to if you're going to waste something on rod, like if you go have a strike squad, you know, pulling off rod, you know, they're not doing their psychic powers in general, they're not shooting, they're not getting into close combat where they're really good. 
you know, I feel like you're not, you're taking away a lot for a, a strike squad to just have it be rotting every turn. And it's not the end of the world if you have to. You can still do it with it. But I'd like taking servitors for that kind of shit. So I've thrown two units of servitors in my list. And uh, last night I noticed, like, it really helped me, you know, pull off a lot of the secondaries that I, I kind of struggled with or tried to figure out, like, what unit wasn't going to cast its powers because it's doing this or whatever before, so. Well, and if you spread it out, you got to get a backfield, good backfield screener, too. Because, you know, that's four models, two inches between them or so. You're you're blocking out, like, a, almost a, a third of your backfield um, with, with one unit. So if you spring them out, right? Yeah, so that's just a quick note on that. Let's, uh, Ben, you got anything else to add before we move on? Everybody knows I do, like, no fat list. Everything in my, in my list plows ass. That's all I got to say. <laughs> ben <laughs> enjoys plowing ass. That's a, a true <laughs> statement. So, <laughs> All right, let's go to, uh, real quick, I want to hit on the, the litanies. Um, I had got really big on these, but part of it's because I really don't have a chaplain model, so I've kind of just been glossing over it. Um, chaplains worth taking, worth the litanies. Uh, what's you guys' take on it? I don't care who goes, just someone jump in. Word of power, baby. It's like really good. Like even on a five man interceptor squad with, you know, double falchions, it can still pump out a decent amount of mortal wounds and you can make it auto go off for two CP or you can just chance it and be like, if I get this tool, cool. If I don't, I don't. The other ones are like, okay. I don't know if I would take take them for the other ones but word of power i would yeah i i think it's head above all the rest of the the potential powers i mean rerolling the hits in hand to hand is nice too but you know that that's just what everybody's got right i, I i'm kind of disappointed with the chaplain um a little bit that we didn't get kind of a master of sanctity type of thing uh, that allows us to have two or, or get two off or so uh just to have that flexibility but you know, I, I agree with your words of power is where it's at if you go a chaplain at all. Word. So we kind of talked a little bit about warlord traits earlier. You guys kind of talked about that already. Um, any more notes on warlord traits? I do like being able to take the extra ones. Um, you know, I, I think there's actually some good warlord traits in here that you can you can kind of shape your army to your play style and how you warlord trade some stuff. I think I think Drago's Warlord trait needs a shout out because it used to be absolute garbage because it would do nothing. It would be unless you play demons, and now it does both. It gives you at least something against everything else, which is decent an extra attack. But then it makes him absolutely pick up any demon he wants. <laughs> Am I yeah, crazy in that? I mean, good. he's like seven attacks, ignore invuls, hitting on twos. Oh yeah, well, and and put that on a grandmaster too, right? And, and yep. you can just you know kill Mortarian in in a Tarana hand to hand. So yeah, I think uh, I think a good grandmaster with that can probably can probably get Bellicor in the butthole too. So oh, I played oh, against yeah. Bellicor. I had a grandmaster choke slam him. Nice <laughs> Undertaker <laughs> style. So <laughs> it was John Cena. All right, the so last thing was it John Cena? Nice. Yep. For those who know why I'm calling him John Cena, that uh, Ben was talking to me about the the concept before you know, kind of all this got rolling about his Grandmaster. Basically, when the, the first time when the Grandmaster is targeted, um, you can just basically pick him up and move him anywhere else on the board, nine inches away. So. I joked around and called him the John Cena Dread Knight, or the John Cena Grandmaster, and it just kind of stuck, and Ben and I got a laugh out of it, so that's what we've been rolled with. So, so basically, yes, when you go to see him, basically, he's like, you can't see me, and he goes somewhere else. So, um, out of this, uh, last thing I want to talk about is Tides. Um, you know, Tides came around in Psychic Awakening. Um, I think they gave Great Knights a, a much-needed boost. And then, you know, everything got really kind of hammered back down. But um, it's good to see Tides made it into the book. If you don't know what the Tides are, they're a lot like the Space Marines and the Space Marines Doctrines. You know, so basically there's a way that you can, uh, you don't automatically move through them. Uh, you pretty much pick the one that you start in. And uh, as the game goes, you can you can change them by psychic powers. Or you can just stay in the same damn Doctrine the whole game, which uh, I found myself doing quite a bit because there's one really good Doctrine 
one kind of okay doctrine and any other two or three i just don't really give a crap about um uh, ben what's your thoughts on the on tides man i have not done tie i've done tide of shadows and convergence all the time uh six inch range to side weapons and sixes mortals in close combat in addition yep <laughs> so what about so you, you Mark? Hear my have dog you... yelling at me yeah that's hey, the same it's, thing it's, and it's not a podcast without Ben's dogs hollering in the background. <laughs> I'm just telling you right now. So. I, I think if you're playing uh, on tables that are, have a lot of good terrain on them, I almost just start in tight of convergence anyway because I want to be hiding behind crap regardless. And and I don't want to chance that, you know, because I failed at warp casting, you know, warp changing, uh, warp shaping, that's the name for it, warp shaping cast too many times. Um, it's just like I'm going to start in convergence if there's a lot of terrain on that table. Yeah, and uh, I've started in Tide of Shadows a couple of games, and uh, now I'm just kind of like, eh, convergence, you know, whatever happens, happens, so <laughs> it's, it's, it's more of a, I feel like it's a wasted power, almost wasted time going to it, so that's where I've been at, so. Um, all right, guys, any other thoughts, anything else you can think about with Grey Knights? Um, where you, where, what are your predictions as far as you think they're going to fall in the meta? Um, I think they're going to be, I think, I think people are going to be surprised by how well they do. Um, but what's, what are you guys thoughts? All the I, way I to think, the top, baby. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. I think they're going to get up there and be, be contenders for a while. Them being released alongside of, um, thousand sons. I think thousand sons got some good play in them too. Uh, so I, I think there's going to be some contention there between the two of them and that, that match uh, can can be so swingy in one psychic phase. So, you know, I I don't know. I think the the Thousand Suns may just have a little bit more edge in that. Uh, but no, I, I'd put them like I was saying before, just kind of a little bit below Death Guard because we got a cast to get some of the things they get. Uh, but but I don't see them. You know, as it stabilizes, I don't see them being a top top army like uh, Admac or Drakari for a while. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I'm more optimistic than you, but I, I think it's uh, it's kind of an exercise in mental health because I'm not I'm not emotionally invested. I'm like I was Space Wolves, so I can be optimistic in these guys and be let down. It's <laughs> so, supposed to be a joke. Mark Mark's like dead silent. He's like you're cracking on my army. Shut up. So, <laughs> oh man, yeah. When when Mark gets to talking Dread Knight lore. Or uh, Grey Knight lore. All I ever want to talk about is the time that uh, Logan fucked up some Grandmasters on the during Armageddon. But it's that's just pretty much all the Grey Knight lore that I know. So yeah, we should have just hit that button faster. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Did, did, didn't give him time to wake up Bjorn. So. But. All right, guys. Uh, I'm gonna call it night there. I think it was a good episode. If you're looking for a place to start with Grey Knights. Um, this is probably a good, you know, Ben is a savage on the tabletop. And if you don't know, you know, major GT winner, um, contender in the ITC, many seasons. This season, definitely a contender. And, uh, you know, go see what he's doing over Advanced Warfare. He's got some good stuff going on there. He can help you out, up your game, all that goodness. Uh, just, you know, hanging around with him, talking to him to help me up my game quite a bit. And on that note, uh, Mark, the local monkey. Um, good guy. He's also helped me up my game in a lot of ways. Um, dojo partner of mine. Frustrating sometimes, but love him to death. So I appreciate Mark coming on tonight. Glad to be here. Yeah. Um, any last words, Ben? Uh, I think Grey Knights fit my play style so well that I'm just so happy that if I start losing, I might, you know, disappear for a couple weeks. Yeah. I'm just not. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Stay away from uh, Michael Matthew Bennett, man. Uh, no. The, the next time we meet, I'm going to be... Well, let me let me make a comment about that. I was too nice in that game. You know what I'm saying? I was way too nice in that game. I could have dicked him around every corner for him screwing up and won that game easily. But I didn't want to be that guy. That's fair. That's fair. He got a boner, but that's fair. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> so, all right, guys, uh, check us out on Patreon. Uh, Snarky Sayings is doing the rewards this month, and uh, we'll get them out to you probably after I get back from Minnesota because I'm headed out that way for a wedding. 
And we appreciate you guys listening every week. And remember, if Wargaming was easy, it would be your mom. Got to keep all of us in the hobby that we can. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, get, I get called Boomer all the time by the team and the locals. And I'm like, God damn it, it's Gen X, man. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, though. But, dude, it's weird. It's funny that, uh, speaking of being an old man, like, uh, you know, there's there's guys on the team and guys on the local scene that I play with, you know, talk to every day. And, like, they're the age of my kids. And yeah. it's kind of it's kind of just weird. You know, it's like one of the it's on so all right let's uh let's break into it uh fly monkeys wargaming podcast where for gaming was easy it would be your mom and uh the uh the numbers guy one of the the dudes the the warhammer heroes with the math y'all know him y'all love him uh, peter the falcon how's it going peter hey man how you doing living the best uh, living the best life you know just you know waking up early for you <laughs> good i appreciate it man. i really do appreciate it so i uh, i am an early riser speaking of being my day a lot but uh so what's what's been going on on your end man you up to anything going to any tournaments getting anything in or just uh just doing math all the time mostly just doing math i did just hit up uh, charity hammer a couple weeks ago my first uh, trip out into the wild world really since uh, covid because our country kind of opened up enough that i was allowed good so uh headed down to seattle for that that was a great time after you know a year and a half of sitting here in the arctic by myself so <laughs> yeah that uh, man they raised uh them suckers raised a bunch of money. I was yeah. kind of surprised by that. We we broke forty thousand dollars about two days ago. Uh, we sat at thirty nine basically for a week after the event ran, and then um, we got like another thousand in. So, you know, pretty pretty good, pretty round number given our situation and our hobby. So, that's good, man. That's pretty that's solid. So, good work to you guys. Uh, you know, I clown and tease a lot, and make fun of people, but that's a that's a solid effort and a solid outcome. So, you guys deserve some props. Uh, so the one of the main reasons I wanted to pull you on today is uh, is the boogeyman, the the forty mm -hmm. k boogeyman that's out there. Uh, everybody's scared. Everybody's writing a list to deal with it. Uh, well, there's a couple right now, I think, but we'll see if your numbers match my my feelings. But uh, mm -hmm. I think Admech is is the big bad right now, and uh, I'd probably put a close second with Drukari. What uh what math do you got going on that says? agreed or otherwise oh yeah no and it's it's gotten very close um basically the last uh what two months now since the admet codex became uh, tournament legal has been uh, the quite the quite the ride i mean before that we had drukari they got nerfed j just after admet came out um and they went down a little bit you know they were a 70 percent win rate faction they dropped to about a 63 um, and then you had Admech start slow. They were in the mid-50s, high-50s at first for the first few weeks as people kind of built up all those Skatari models they needed uh, to make their list function in ninth. And then as soon as everybody had about 80 you know, Rangers on the go, all of a sudden, bam, 70% win rate for Admech. And they ran that for, for several weeks um, between 67 and 70 when you removed that mirror match of them playing themselves. Um, Drukari basically stayed steady at 63. They were just beating up everybody else, and Admech and Drukari had about a 50-50 win rate against each other. Um, yeah, it's been it's been quite the ride. And um, in the last two weeks since the Admech FAQ dropped, we've seen Admech come down to about a 64% win rate, and Drukari is like right underneath them. So they're they're essentially neck and neck. And it's not just in win rates because that's not the only thing I talk about, but like every metric they are almost at a like a tie for how like being on top of the meta like whether it's terms of tournament wins or t whip uh, tournaments in winning position um their average first round loss they're they're neck and neck now they are the two big bads and they're about evenly matched yeah well uh so what other metrics do you use when you're uh you're looking at this in the bigger picture i guess i you know i get caught up in win loss and win percentage uh what else do you usually do when you dive into these factions 
So for me, like the the biggest ones I look at are this uh, this tournament and winning position T whip we call it um, metric, which is basically the amount of times a faction gets to um, the fourth round of a tournament with, or sorry, the fifth round of a tournament without a loss. Since most tournament most tournaments are five rounds, sometimes six. If you're getting to that fifth or sixth round um, without a loss, it means you're in the running to win it, right? Like you you're undefeated going into that last top table, probably maybe the table before. Um, and that's a really good indicator of how good a faction is. We've had factions with like pretty crap win rates that have had really good T whip because they were just harder to play, but like that top level could still play them well. Um, and we've had factions like Imperial Knights that had amazing win rates, but often didn't get to the top tables. So this is a often a little more accurate than just straight up uh, win loss. Although once you get to like a seventy percent win rate, it like it. It, it, it's a wash that's a just that's just crazy broken um and then average first round loss similar to t whip it's just like the the average time it uh, it takes for a faction to get uh, to lose its first game um in a tournament usually like your your um, balanced factions will have an average first round loss of about a two on average two to 1.9 to 2.1 um, anything higher than those two numbers, or lower, I should say, uh, than 1.9 or higher than 2.1, and now you're on the, the opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, Admech was the first faction to break three uh, for, like, an average first-round loss for, like, more than, uh, you know, five, like, five or six weeks. They just, like, kept cranking out. Um, there was a point where they had more lists that got to round five of a tournament without a loss than they'd had guys that lost in the first round of a tournament, which I'd never seen. Um, that is so, insane to think about. Yeah, so like they, the more your average player was uh, was getting to the top table of an event essentially um, versus you know losing in the first round. So it's it was pretty crazy. Um, and then this T whip thing, which is uh, like like the percent the percent of lists that get to that top. Um, Admic at at their highest was um, just shy of forty five percent. So almost half of the lists that were making it to the top table of events were ad mech lists for a while. Um, Drukhari kind of topped out at between 30 and 35. Um, now, after the ad mech FAQ, the release of orcs, because we've had three, four, five events use orcs now, um, ad mech and Drukhari are about 25% each. So they make up together half of all the lists that are hitting that uh, top table. Um, and their average first round loss, they're both sitting at about 2.8. So still extremely high. They're They're definitely... Like the tops, if you look at the top fours, um, which you can see at 40kstats.com, um, I, I try to go through every event that gets run that's a GT or higher and, and uh, populate the top fours for everybody to see the lists. Um, you can see like the it's just like Admech and Drukhari with some sisters sprinkled in here and there. So, Yeah, I'll, I'll ask you this. that uh, Me and my friends were joking with. Uh, the orc numbers have to like always be skewed because you're either like a Dan Salmon's or like that bottom table dude screaming wog. Yep. Is, uh, yep. oh, is yeah. that what you see in that, or is that that's, a? And yes, and that's always what it's been. Um, when orcs were were considered kind of busted in eighth, um, they had like a forty five percent win rate, but they won more tournaments than basically any other faction for months on end, because um, that's just how it was. Like <laughs> there's so many people that love to play orcs but don't try to make the best list. Yeah. And um, and I think we're gonna see it particularly with this codex that maybe has. Like it's a pretty, it's a really good codex, but you can make a really bad orcs list with this book. It's not completely internally balanced, so there's going to be a lot of people just struggling. And then you're going to get guys like Dan, like Seth the Mad Doc, or like um, I see Manny Chima is, is starting his his shenanigans in the UK with like a twenty some odd uh, buggy list. So who knows? Like it's going to be there's going to be that as well. Yeah, put him on chess clock. So. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Same with Admech. Well, yeah, that's that's funny. That's good to see. Yeah. Do you uh, do you see any uh, other factions on the rise or on the dip? Uh, what what trends are you seeing in the game right now? Um, like sisters have been have been great for like uh, for a while now. Basically, since their codex dropped, they've sat about a fifty five percent win rate. So you always got to watch for them. I mean, John Lennon's been racking up wins with them, um, and he's not the only one. Um, so you always got to be careful there. Um, in the UK, Matt Robertson won like two GTs week back to back with them. Um, Death Watch have had a huge rise, and uh, I expect they'll probably maintain that with Orcs on the horizon. They just get better the more um, Xenos factions are, that are good out there. Um, are there so any gotta... particular builds you're seeing, or just Death Watch in general with different builds? The Death Watch build 
that that is doing the most work is um, like a dreadnought build. So usually it's uh, two or three redemptors, a couple of those relic contemptors with Volkites. Um, you get that Dominus Aegis uh, relic so that uh, the redemptors get a five up invuln without having to get a second power off. Um, and then just a bunch of the the Proteus squads with bikes and Vanguard vets mixed in, so they move super fast. Um, they're relatively durable because you can either give them all storm shields on the back end with the the foot guys, or uh, shotguns to move even faster if you want to just um, like assault the entire time. And um, that that uh, that list is super aggressive. It has a lot of board presence, and um, it it does a really good job into like Drukari in particular. It does struggle a little bit into Admech, but who doesn't? Often is the case, other than right. Drakari. So, like that's the. But like they, they're real good, and I think they have a real strong matchup into Orcs. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they if they can maintain. Um, the other big risers, really, Iron Hands is like we don't have a lot of results for them, but they've um, been top tabling a lot in the UK. So if people start looking at those lists, we might see them. Uh, start to rise up in, in the U.S. as well. They were so popular in 8th, I can't imagine if anybody's paying attention that they're not going to try to copy some of those lists. Right. Because um, they, like, Iron Hands do one vehicle super good, and then one Dreadnought really good. Um, and then if you can build, like, a strong assault army around them, they, like, they, they, they've got legs. Um, on the downward trend, um, really all the guys that were bad are still bad. So, like, <laughs> like there's no... That the bottom half hasn't been changing a whole lot. Um, Death Guard have seen a bit of a drop. Um, they like they're a real strong army. Um, it, like I see, I see a small I had to GT. Cut out for a second, Peter. Oh. Which, which faction? Oh, Death Guard. Death Guard are okay. They're kind of like they're at about a 50-50 win rate. Um, but like they're not seeing the top tables they had for a while. Like they were really doing pretty well. Um, and they've started to drop off. I'm not sure if that's just because all the new books are coming out and, and hurting them real bad. They have a terrible matchup in Dadmech. Um, I think their win rate in Dadmech is like 15% or something right now. So it's it's real bad for them, and that's probably what's hurting them the most. But that, that's a faction that people should be looking at as like a, with Thousand Suns coming out, they're probably just going to slowly dip away, unfortunately. I'm hopeful not because I do like a good Death Guard list, but... I've uh, I've enjoyed seeing uh, the variety on the table, so I, I hope they stick around. Do you? Uh, what kind of? Uh, I, I know you have. You probably don't have any date on this shit. What kind of impact do you think the the new Grey Knight and New Thousand Suns book are going to make as far as the the meta is concerned? Well, Grey Knights and Thousand Suns are like are two of the worst armies statistically right now. So any gains they make will be awesome. I think they've got some solid books. Um, they can put out so many mortal wounds. That Thousand Suns like mortal wound bomb, where it can like one sorcerer can pump out like fifteen to twenty mortals in a turn. Like that's going to have an impact. It's just will it be top table? Um, I think we'll see them kind of chunk away a little bit yeah, at some of these other. I don't know. Some of these other middle table builds. So, yeah, uh, Ben Sherwin's hot on the Grey Knights. So, yeah, that that dude, if he gets on a crusade, I think can can tear some shit up. So, it should be interesting. So, I, I guess you know that 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 trends being the trends, what they are. You know, the weird. I was gonna. What kind of impact do you think like random pairings are gonna make? Because. You know, we just had Monkey, which I don't know if you looked at any of the, the list or the, the factions oh, yeah. for Monkey. Yeah. But uh, random pairings, you know, we saw a couple Tyranid lists do really well. And uh, does that, do you think that skews or, or screws up your numbers anymore? Or do you think it just kind of, it, it's a wash as far as anything's concerned? What, what's your opinion? Impacts, you know, what you're tracking. Oh, I, I love it. Um that I hate when I see like um, like submarining and stuff go on because it, it's I find that skews my numbers more than than uh, going by like wind path and random pairings. Um, I don't think I'm going to see like a significant change to anybody based off that, other than like these top table players will just have to beat everybody that they they can rather than uh, rather than you know, than kind of stomping some some lobbies. You know, I was I was curious what was going to come out of it, and it was interesting to see that the who you consider the cream of the crop typically, you know, was still at the top. You yeah. know, there was there was no different in 
difference in really who the crowd was. Um, I saw a couple of actions I was kind of surprised by seeing who came out of the Randos, you know, 4-0 at the end of four games. Like I said, there was there was a couple of Tyranid players. I was like, huh, you know, but, you know, the the Dan Salmons, you know, the the Matt Roots, you know, those yeah. guys were, were definitely where, you know, you'd expect them to be. And a lot of the guys that, you know, the vice versa that the, you know, the bottom table heroes, you know, we're, we're down at the bottom table. So <laughs> yep. oh, I, yeah. uh, I was curious if it really did a whole lot, you know, as far as skewing anything. So, yeah, I mean, and we'll see once once we get a few more weeks in, because I know a lot of tournaments are switching to it, but I don't think there'll be that big a change. Um, that finals for Flying Monkey was friggin wicked. I loved watching that. So, oh, the the plane list. Uh, the one that was that was on stream, I think, was Root versus uh, Salmons. Just how that oh, ended. Oh, I, I didn't hear. So I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah that. Dude, that game, uh, so Matt, we all know that Matt's a good player. Matt's probably one of the best in the world. Like, a, if you had to pick, you know, three guys out of the world, he'd probably be one of them. And I watched two different games. One of them was uh, by my teammate, and he had Harlequins. He got to go first, and he got out and got the jump on Matt. And uh, the problem is I think he went to Leroy Jenkins. But I kept yeah. walking by and seeing the board state. And I was like, man, I don't know how Matt's going to pull this off, you know, and, and I'm not a chump on the tabletop, you know, I'm not out like winning every measure or anything yeah. I do pretty well. And I think I know the game. And I was watching that and I was like, man, I don't, I don't think Matt has this, you know, and, and I'd go watch other games and come back and it still looked bad for Matt. And, and then at some point in time, I came back by and like Matt won the game. And I was yep. like, God, you know, like he pulled a hoist Gracie, you know, and like arm bar new mountain nowhere or something and, you know, pulled off the game. And, you know, it was the same thing with that Dan Salmons and that Matt Root game. You know, I kept watching the board state coming by, kept watching the board state coming by and thinking like, I'm not sure how Matt gets this, you know, and like Dan was killing him on the primary. Yep. Uh, you know, I'm not sure if Matt at some point in time just buckled down and just said, I'm just going to do the best on these secondaries I can do and see where it takes me. And and for him to pull that off by one freaking point, man, that's just oh, crazy. It was like, I would say round three, I texted some people and I was like, man, orcs are going to win this major. That's super awesome. And I came back a little while later and I was like, how is he killing anything? I don't understand. And then, then I and then I was like, watch the final round. I'm like, man, what is Dan doing? He's got like 10 seconds left on his clock. Oh, my God. Matt's yep. going to win this. <laughs> like. And he, he one point, how many how many top table games do you think score, you know, like 79, 78? Oh, like, I don't not, think that happens Not often. many. Not yeah. many, man. Not many. Like, that was a real good game to watch. I was, I was, I was very, I mean, I'm always impressed watching Root. Guys like that, they play the game different, right? Like, um, one of the best parts of Charity Hammer was seeing some of, like, the top players play people and, and watch how they, like, just, like, change their mindset into certain games. It's just a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's neat to watch, uh, you know, us just chump standing here playing checkers, and I guess they're doing something else. So. <laughs> yeah, they're playing, they're playing 4D chess, and they yeah. the time on their side. Well, I got you up early, and uh, that was really all the questions I um I, I don't know if you had anything else or something else you wanted to add or something you see that's cool, and nope. uh, you're welcome to shout out or pimp anything else you got. I don't know if you're hitting any podcasts lately, but... Oh yeah, I mean, I do the adjacent show every week. We have, I haven't been on the last two weeks because of travel, but um, uh, that's my thing. Stat Center theoretically is coming back here in a week or two. Val is, is back from Orlando, so we're going to try to start slamming those out. And uh, do, do me one favor, please, yeah, Peter. If you guys do a video podcast, don't don't put any fucking TVs in the no, no, trust me, I don't okay. want it. I don't want it, man. I don't. I'm trying to avoid. It's this one's going to be recorded. It's not going to be live like the others because I I've got a family of like a hundred at this point. Like I'm basically raising a baseball team, so I, I don't have the <laughs> the time to do a live podcast. But we'll make okay. something work. Well, good. I'll look at look forward to seeing that. So, and uh, as always, man, it has been a pleasure. And uh, like I said, look at look for uh, Peter on the 40K Jason show. And uh, dude, I look forward to the return of Stat Center. I used to oh. enjoy that, and I have missed that programming. Awesome. Thanks well, for talking. Talk to you later, man. Thanks. Bye. Game over, man. It's game over. <laughs> <laughs>